Wall Street veteran Bernard Madoff has been arrested and charged with running a $50 billion Ponzi scheme. Congress wants to know what caused the Enron meltdown. Now, well, the collective rage currently is focused on Wilcom. Tyco CEO Dennis Koslowski was convicted of looting hundreds of millions of dollars. This is one of the biggest fraud cases ever. Their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. Find out more on this week's episode of White Collars, Red Hands. You find yourself transported to January 17th, 1899, in beautiful New York City, in the borough of Little Italy. Teresa, an Italian immigrant who left the country that had been newly birthed from the unification of the Papal States, was in the process of giving birth to another child, of which she had already had a few, and would finish after she had provided her husband, Gabriel, with eight of them. Oh, God. Eight children. Little did she know that this baby would be the same, but very different from the rest in many ways. Teresa granted him the name Alphonse Gabriel Capone, and this boy would go on to become one of the most infamous mobsters of all time. His exploits would earn him quite a few nicknames, but I'm fond of public enemy number one. As Al Capone murdered his way to the top and murdered to stay there afterwards, amassing a huge fortune in the process and getting tripped up on a technicality. Join us as we discuss one of the most storied gangs in history, the Chicago Outfit, through a war-torn city by a bowling ball Italian mobster with syphilis on this week's episode of White Collars, Red Hands. Hell yeah! Yeah, we're talking about Al Capone. I remember in 10th grade, we learned about Al Capone in my U.S. history class, and everybody was like, fuck yeah, Al Capone, and then they all wanted to be like Al Capone, and then my teacher had to have a talk with all of us and was like, guys, Al Capone's not cool. You don't shouldn't want to be like Al Capone. Common mistake, though. People really deify mobsters, and Al Capone is probably like synonymous with what we think of when we think about mobs like the pinstripe suits yeah and the the cigars and basically most things you'd think he about kind of looks like penguin from um batman oh my god he does yeah he does i also don't know how tall he is it looks like a short man though he looks like he a looks ball fucking short. he looks Let's like see. a bowling ball he does he's not hot so yeah, we're doing another uh, historical episode. We've had some we've had some fun time doing those in the past couple seasons. We decided to keep it going, and and this this was Nina's idea this it was time. My idea, but uh, I I'm heading it up this week in Algapone. Well, that's because Kashan's better at research than me. Oh, and I've done a bunch of research. Uh, a couple- and I also know you'd be passionate about this. I I am. It's a pretty interesting story. I will say, like those kids deified him. Um, one of the documentaries I watched, very like, Al Capone was a cool guy. He's a gangster. He was a, he liked to sleep with the ladies and sling the hooch. And you're like, what the fuck? He m- murdered, maybe not directly, but at least indirectly, multiple people in brutal fashion. Have you not heard of the St. Valentine's Day massacre? Well, if you haven't, you're going to hear you're about it today. today. Which, by the way, um, I didn't put every story in here so there's more to learn but at the end after the outro i have a couple of surprise extra little stories to talk about so make sure you stick to the end and and you get to hear those those extra couple of stories but welcome back to another episode of white collars red hands uh it's kashan and nina and let's get right into talking about 
Elk Alphonse Capone, which I'm pretty sure that's what it is. I can only find the French pronunciation of that online. Okay. Like the videos that pronounce mm -hmm. names for you. Only only the French. So Alphonse. I listened a couple of times. I'm getting pretty good. Uh, so New York during the turn of the century was a lot like today. Crime-ridden and dirty. The only difference was that the shows on Broadway were much worse back then. And the streets did not benefit from a young Al Capone wandering them. Al was prone to delinquency, surprise, from an early age, getting into fights at school and being in general rough and tumble. He learned early that school wasn't his forte after getting into an argument with his teacher at the age of 14, where there's actually some conflicting uh, accounts of how this happened. Some accounts say he slapped her in the face, like like she like got on him for bullying someone else, and he just straight up slapped his teacher. So what I'm learning is that it's always been hard to be a teacher. Yeah, you, there's always going to be an Al Capone in your class that'll slap the shit out of you at any given notice. She's lucky that he didn't kill her. He was 14. There's 14-year-olds capable of murder. I know, but come on. Come on. Come on. Probably not. Um, but either way, whatever disagreement he had with his teacher, slap or not, uh, he decided to leave school for good after that. He was he done. Will Smithter. Yeah. Al Capone just slapped the shit out of me. <laughs> so he decided to leave school and he started his adult life that year working many odd jobs, which included... Shoe shining, candy store worker, a bowling alley pin boy. That was my. He could have been the ball there. My, uh, that was my grandpa's first job when a, he came to the United States. A pin boy. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, he set up the pins after they got knocked down. I wonder if they, when they put those robots in, if there was some like big uprising. Oh, I'm sure. Just these like robots anything, are taking our jobs. Yeah, just like any automated thing, like when you go into a subway station or a train station, and like you use. Electric, oh, electricity, like, an ele you know, you have a card now or, yes. you know, used to be people just took tickets. There's probably robots. Some, probably some big. Taking our chance. No robot can put pins in a triangle like I can. Yeah. I'm bowling pins, McGee. Yeah. <laughs> it's in my fucking name. But <laughs> he also worked a, as a book bindery cutter. Don't ask me what that is. Um, and the most kid-friendly kid of all jobs that he had uh, as a young adult uh, was an ammunition plant laborer making making bullets. The American dream. Uh, this would have been right around uh, World War One, so I guess that mm -hmm. does make sense. Thank you um, for your service, Al. He did find his true calling, though, however, uh, when he would carouse with two different so-called kid gangs, which I guess... Was a thing in New York City back in the day. Like, like they talked about it like it was common. Kid gangs. Like, roaming groups of children that just, like, commit vandalism and petty crimes. We love it. Which, I mean, the Zoomers nowadays, ugh. You can't get them to do anything. That's that's why you can't even have kid gangs anymore. Yeah, They're I mean, all in their TikTok. That's not true. I, I work in a school system that deals with gangs on a daily basis. Fair. I, I was substitute teaching one day. This has happened more than once, actually. But this one day, this lady was like, hey, this kid, if he does anything, just don't do anything about it. He's in a gang. What? Yeah. They told you just to not retaliate because, like, they'll kill you or something? Is that, yeah. was that the implication? Yep. Okay. Well, I was like, got it. Well, kid gangs, they started in the early, the early 1900s, and they're still uh, here today. Uh, by the way, the names of the gangs he was in, the South Brooklyn Rippers, right, and the 40 Thieves 
juniors. And that's why the 40 children thieves shouldn't juniors. have gangs. Because they have terrible names? I yeah. know. Like the 40 Thieves Juniors? <laughs> that implies there's a 40 Thieves Seniors. Back in the day, if you were in a kid gang, your kid gang's gang is like your AOL username. It's just so cringe. Oh. Like Penguin Lover 22. Hey, you're 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 making fun of my gamer tag is specifically. That what it was? Which I that will not I say on here because people will be able to find shit. me. It was like it's not, it's definitely not penguin lover that <laughs> in, that implies something extremely different. I, I love penguins, not in the way that that yours, seems to imply. Yours is really silly, though. I remember you told me. Yes, and it does include penguin. But like I said, they'll be able to find me, so we won't go into it. Because uh, he still uses it. I do. Uh, so I to, you have to pay to change it. I'm not going to do that. Uh, Al found that a life of crime suited him better than any straight-laced job. And later, he joined the James Street Boys Gang... Again, not very inventive, uh, which was run by an influential man in Capone's life, Johnny Torrio, who was also associated with a, a man's gang, not a kid's gang, the Five Point Stars, uh, a group which Capone would go on to be indoctrinated in when he was 16, which I guess counts as a man in the early 1900s. So that's when you, you get to be in the, the men's gang, so Hell the big yeah. boys table. Uh, Capone, a large man, like we said, uh, at least in width, often was stationed at, as security in bars or brothels, uh, the latter of which is where it is believed that he contracted the syphilis that would ultimately be his downfall many years later. Man. They also said, uh, I guess he knew, like later reports said he knew when he got it, like he got syphilis and they had a treatment for it. He just didn't go. Is that accurate? What? That he knew and didn't get treated? That's what people think, yeah. That, huh. that, he, that, he, that multiple reports said that. That he knew that he got syphilis when he was younger, but he was just like, eh, so it, so it burns a little bit when I pee. I'm a fucking gangster. I'm not going to no doctor. Tell me what to do with my penis. Not doing that. And so. God knows how many people he gave syphilis. Oh, yeah. His wife, by the way, stood by him whole time. Wow. Stand by your man. She didn't die from syphilis, so I don't know. Maybe they weren't fucking. Huh. I don't know. Interesting. I don't know. Uh, so one Maybe of the, she went to the doctor. <laughs> mm? Mm? Yeah, he, she's like, ah, you know, and I can go get the I can go get the medicine. I'm not above it. Um, one of the other four Fs fighting uh, was satisfied for Capone quite often as well. When he was young, uh, when he was a young man, he drunkenly commented on the rear end of another rapscallion, Frank Galluccio, another delightfully Italian name. Was it a fat ass? I believe, yeah, I, you know, there's no historical reports of, of what he actually said. But yes, if I could do some dramatic reenactment, I'd be like, hey, dang, lady, that dumpy fat is probably accurate to the time. Yeah. Just like, hey, lady, that fucking pooper just badonkulous, you know? Oh, God. Something like that is probably what he said. I wish someone would cat call me like that. <laughs> It's it's just funny at that point. Yeah. You just have yourself a giggle. It's not even oh, it's not even creepy. One time, I okay. Spoiler alert: I don't have that. I don't have a very big butt at all. Okay. Mm. And one day, I was walking down the street to work, and this man, like cat, called me. I guess, and he was like, "Big booty, big booty," and I was like, "Thank you so much, sir." You're like, actually, it's all right. I'll take that. I was like, yeah. you single? It's like, let me see them pancakes move around. Uh, hey, people <laughs> love pancakes. I'm a waffle guy, but that's yeah. fine. Um, so Frank Galluccio, upon hearing this comment, hey, it's bedonkulous to his sister, um, they 
ensued into a tussle, and Galuccio cut Capone across his left cheek, leaving him with a mark as well as a nickname that he would bear for the rest of his life. Scarface. Ah. Al Capone's nickname was Scarface. Don't know if that's what that's. I mean, that probably has a relation to the Tony Montana movie. Yeah, uh, that's what I was just thinking. But I don't know because I've never seen Scarface. I haven't either. All I know is he likes like puts his face in a mountain of cocaine at some point. That's nice. all I know. That's all I know. Good for him. Um, by the way, Al Capone hated the nickname Scarface. He also would only have pictures taken from his right side or the front where you could like barely see the scar. He would not let people take pictures of him from the left side. He hated this scar. It was like a mark of shame upon him. So he also hated the name. But do you know, you know what nickname he did like to be called, Nina? No. <laughs> Snorky. Stop. <laughs> Snorky? Snorky. He loved when people called him uh, Snorky, which does kind of sound like a Disney character now, but at the time was slang for, for someone who dress, dresses smartly. Hey, you're looking pretty snorky. A smart dresser. He's like, dang, look at you, Snorky. I hate that. Yeah, imagine imagine getting upset when people have the admittedly pretty badass nickname of Scarface for you, but just eating it up when people call you Snorky. Well, it, this is coming from a man who didn't get treated for syphilis, so yeah, not I, very smart. I mean, that's fair. I mean, he was smart, but like, you know what I mean? He wasn't that smart. He was smart enough to pull shit off. I think he would just—he was just bold enough to kill people. Oh, all right. you know, okay. so that's probably what it was, which we'll get into. Uh, supposedly, though, uh, the two men, Capone and Galuccio, did make up later. Uh, they, they made up. Uh but there wasn't a lot of time for the smooching between the two of them uh, because Capone had been busy beating another member of a rival gang almost to death. Um, and knowing that the gang would follow him relentlessly and seek retribu uh, retribution, which was a kind of key aspect of gangs at the time, uh, Al Capone packed up himself, his child, and his wife, with one with, which once again, May Coughlin. Coughlin? Coughlin? I don't know how to pronounce it. May Coughlin! What to say? May Capone, uh, which was her name after they got married. Uh, she stood by him the whole time and stood with him through here. And they moved to the windy city of Chicago to work once again with Torio, who had been running the brothel business for them there. Now, Johnny Torio at this time was the second in command uh, to crime boss Jim Colosimo of a gang called the Chicago Outfit a largely Italian gang that dominated most of the south side of the city. And on the other end of the chessboard was the not-so-cleverly-named North Side Gang, composed mostly of German and Irish men and led by the florist Dean O'Banion, which is a delightfully Irish name. I love, love the names of the early 1900s because you could tell where everyone was from. Yeah, you could. Uh, now you got me, my name's Kashan, and then I look like this, and you're like, who's... Who is this? Yeah. And where did he get this name? I get that a lot. Um, Capone moved to the city in 1919 and continued his work in the brothels. However, a new business opportunity was about to open up for the Chicago outfit. As in January of 1920, a club out of Evanston, Illinois, not so far from here, the Women's Christian Temperance Union, uh, which had been petitioning against the consumption of alcohol in the United States... Finally got what they wanted. All oh, those bitches! Prohibition started really close to here. I didn't know that until I had done some reading. Um, and the 18th Amendment uh, 
was ratified into the Constitution and alcohol was no longer able to be sold or consumed in the United States. And overnight, a lucrative black market hooch business sprung up in the seedy underbellies of every city. Capone, seeing the benefit in the booze business, approached Colosimo and implored him to throw his hand in the ring, but Colosimo was distracted by a messy divorce he was going through and declined. Idiot. Oh, man, I can't. It's Things are rough. She took the house. She has my dog. We can't. I can't do any other business right now. Can we just? I can't drink. Can we just stay with the prostitutes right now, please? We'll do something else in a couple weeks. Well, because of this, <laughs> either Torrio Capone or both had Colosimo killed. Jesus Christ! Yeah, oh yeah, they murdered him. That sad man. Honestly, if that's what he sounded like, they probably could have just given it a week. He would have done it for him. Yeah. But either way. Yeah, he died. And they said it was uh, because he was becoming too soft. They ordered the hit on him. Jesus. Um, And Torrio took up as head of the Chicago outfit with Capone as his right-hand man. And now the business pops off. Prohibition is just, oh, you're making so much money in the bootlegging business right now. And by 1924, the Chicago outfit was living large. And Capone started gaining notoriety. However... He couldn't just tell people what he did for a living because it was illegal. So when asked, he would merely say he was a businessman or supplied an unmet demand. And he like, there was an interview with like a reporter at the time who like Capone would have these meetings with news outlets and sit down and give them all drinks because every, even the even police officers, like, everyone was drinking still. No one was following prohibition. It's just everyone was doing it illegally, basically. So he would give them all drinks, and he had gave this one reporter, like, a, a Cuban cigar. And on his way out, he gave him a box of 50 of them. And it was basically to paint him in a good light mm. in the media. And, and that was the thing. He would buy everyone off. Um, they had all of the police in their pockets. They were paying off a lot of police sergeants. They were paying off um, basic, and corrupt. Yeah, basically every politician they were paying, which we'll get into some some stuff that happened there in a little bit. But yeah, they were throwing money around. And he, they said that he was a big baseball fan and he used to walk into the stadiums and like he'd get cheers from the from the crowd. Like that's how much that's how much people knew who he was. What? Because he was the one supplying everyone with the liquor. Oh. So people liked him. Oh. And and okay. he tried he tried to paint himself in that way. He he did masquerade as a boxing promoter, uh, but everyone obviously knew what Capone's real business was. But like I said, people liked the product, and no one usually stepped in his way because he had greased so many palms. But that was until the mayor, who was in their pockets, William Hale Thompson, was replaced with a reformist in William Dever, who immediately cracked down on gangs in Chicago. Oh wow! So because of this, the outfit relocated to the suburb of Cicero, Illinois, where they found it much easier to defend their position and even easier to assert their influence. So on April 1st, 1923, uh, Cicero was having a mayoral election. All right. And the election was underway. And the candidate sympathetic to the gang uh, was the current mayor, Joseph Klena. 
And the outfit was making sure that he would stay the mayor because the gangs showed up to polls with guns and, oh and other weapons, brass knuckles, and tried to scare off anyone who was voting for the opposition. Like literally out in the streets, going to the polls and stealing ballots. Like if they they like they'd stop people coming out of the booth and be like, "Show me your ballot." And then if they looked and they voted for the wrong person, according to them, they'd steal it, throw them away, and beat up the person who just voted. Jesus Christ. Like, beat the hell out of them. And that doesn't sound like a free and fair election. It's, well, uh, nope. <laughs> what is this? An election in Russia? Jesus. Uh, uh, and if they voted for the quote-unquote right party, they let them vote multiple times. <laughs> like, hey, go back in and do it again. Some voter fraud. I got to beat up this other guy. Why don't you go in and vote like like 10 more times? Uh, and in addition to all of this hoopla they were causing at the polls, they bombed multiple polling locations where their candidates weren't favored, like in districts where they knew their candidate wasn't favored. They bombed like eight different places, um, killing multiple and wounding more. Uh, they also took people down into basements that they found that were voting for the wrong person and just like tied them up in a basement to like a radiator and just like left them there until after the election was over that evening because this is at the time they were like, well, polls are closed. Can't do anything. So they just tie people up in basements if they found them. Oh my gosh. And they, they did that with like, like officials too. So they couldn't go out and like talk to crowds in front of polling stations. They like found people that were running and tied them up in basements. That's so scary. And at one point, Cabone's brother, Frank, stormed the campaign op office of arrival and assaulted multiple workers inside, like just beat up everyone inside. And by th that afternoon, officials had appealed to Chicago for help, and they sent over 70 plainclothes officers to kind of like quell the insanity. However, by the time they got there, they could have little effect on the election. Like polls closed at like 5 p.m. They got there at like 2. And yeah. they had been doing this all day. Because it just took time for you know to get the message over to them and get yeah get this all was the people over something so it's not like they could just call them yeah so by the time they couldn't really do anything yeah and at the end of the election Klena would go on to be elected and by the way he also got reelected the next time even though they like up security by like a thousand so like there weren't people beating up people voting the wrong people way and he still probably, got reelected people were probably terrified well I mean it's probably true uh by the time that uh. The next election happened, though. Capone would be in prison. So, oh. uh, But the gangs, they lived on after Capone, just not as strongly. Um, the police, however, did find Frank Capone. Frank Capone, when approached by officers, supposedly opened fire, and he was gunned down at the age of 28. Oh, he, was no. he, he was killed by police. He's a bad guy. You don't have to. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He was beating up people at the polls and then That's shot true. First, at, at first at police. That's you true. will probably get shot if that happens. Um but he was only 28. And Al Capone had a lavish funeral for his slain brother, where the flowers alone supposedly cost $20,000. That's a lot back then. And off in the distance during the service stood the same officers that gunned him down. They showed up to the funeral and, like, stood off in the distance. as like, What assholes? As like, but it was like the city meant it as a warning. Like, stop, or else mm. this is going to happen to you, too. Like, we had to kill one of your brothers. Don't make us do it. You know, stop fucking around and we won't have to do it to you but it was one that capone would not heed the year after the election in cicero and the killing of frank capone dean obanyan 
Leader of the Northside Gang was setting up the floral arrangements in the shop where he ran his legitimate and also not so legitimate businesses out of. He was a florist. Aw, that's it, so wholesome. Isn't that cute? Uh, but anyway, a car pulled up while he was uh, his setting up his, his floral arrangements. Uh, the man inside the car got out, drew a pistol, and shot O'Banion several times, killing him in the spot. Damn. Mm-hmm. And cutting off the head. Of a rival ah, gang. Ah, that, oh, okay, we didn't, not, we, not physically, they did not actually cut oh, off the head. Oh, I thought you meant they actually cut this off This is head. metaphorically cutting off the head oh, of the rival gang. Oh, I was gonna say, I was like, was it necessary? No, we're not going into that big of details. Uh, the hit came at the order of Johnny Torrio, and the Northside gang, now led by one Jaime Weiss and Bugs Moran, set immediately to retribution again starting a violent cross-city gang war that would go on four years in Chicago. Like, and it's wild. We'll, we'll get into it. I got some stuff that happened. But in the next couple of weeks, over a dozen of the outfit's men were gunned down in retaliation for the fallen leader. And Weiss, as the new head of the Northsiders, was crazed in his attacks on Torio. As it turns out, around this time, he had learned that he had terminal cancer. Damn. Like, and also, he was young. He was like 28, but he just got diagnosed with terminal cancer. So he just had nothing to lose. And he, like, he was pulling some crazy stuff. Um, and in 1925, Weiss, Moran, and another gang member ambushed Torrio outside of his home. And they shot him multiple times. Three times they left him to die in the streets. But Torrio survived. What? Albeit shaken up. And after recovering, Torrio had had enough of the gang life and peaced out back to New York leaving the empire of bootlegging in the hands of Alphonse Capone at a time when the business was grossing $70 million a year. Holy shit. The Chicago outfit, their whole racket was grossing $70 million a year. That's over a billion dollars in today's money. It's like $1.1 billion. That is insane. Yeah. For alcohol. Yeah. It, like That's the thing is that this is why prohibition is crazy because all it does is create a black market. Yeah, where all of this crime, all of this violent crime happens when you were worried about like nonviolent crime to begin with. It's just well, I mean, the reason that they wanted prohibition to start was from a good reason. It's because women were getting assaulted by their drunk husbands a lot. So that's what the movement is to like get them to stop drinking so that like domestic abuse well, fell. Didn't it work? No, people just kept drinking. It's just they would go through as a lot of illegal ways to do it. Yeah. Um. But. But after the um. The attempted assassination on Torio, uh, blows were exchanged between uh, both of the gangs uh, a couple times after that. Uh, Capone had men roll up on uh, uh, Capone had men roll up on Weiss on South Michigan Avenue, which for us we know what that is, but that's like the heart of downtown Chicago. Yeah, it's right um, downtown. And just start a gunfight in the heart of downtown. Like they were just shooting at each other right in the middle of downtown where but all the Northsiders actually, they survived. Like, all of the leaders were there. So, they, they had, all survived. They had plenty of ammunition, but they were terrible aim. Ex exactly. Yeah. They don't know how to shoot a gun. Um, and Capone's gunman was actually arrested. So, it, it didn't work out really well for them. Uh, in retaliation, Weiss had several men pump a thousand Tommy gun rounds into the hotel where Capone was staying. Jesus Christ. Who, Capone was there at the time. But he was, like, in the back. Someone, one of his other gang members, like, tipped him off, like, saw them coming and told him to run to the back. So he wasn't injured. No one was actually killed in this attack. 
Um, but that guy who said that they were coming was wounded, I believe. And that guy also went on to run the Chicago outfit, the guy who warned Capone, 40 years. Oh, wow. 40 years after Capone was done. He was like the leader for that long. That isn't, that's a really long time. Yeah, that was in like the 50s. So. So until the 90s? N- no, until oh, the 50s. Oh, until the 50s. Yeah, this is the 20s. So it's like the 50s, oh, that's 60s. True, that's true. Yeah. Okay. Um, the next year, Weiss was returning back to the O'Banion flower shop where they still ran their operations out of. O'Banion is dead and they're still like, eh, let's keep the flower shop. They're like, yeah, it's cute. We all live close. You know, it, it, it'll it would be, just be inconvenient to change it. Yeah, it'll point. be easy to get to, yeah. right? All of our posters are here. Right. You know, this is where we keep. Well, what are we going to do? Move all these guns? No. No. We'll just keep meeting here. But anyway, he returned back to the flower shop uh, and he parked his car outside. And when he got out, two men with a submachine gun oh my and God. one with a shotgun revealed themselves from the second floor in the building across the street. And gunned down another North Side gang leader in front of Bro. the same flower shop. Y'all are playing with fire. It's wild. Uh, police inspecting the residence from which the gunman fired said that whoever had done it had been there for weeks waiting for the right time. And they judged that by the number of cigarette butts that littered the windowsills. So they had been watching him for two weeks. And I guess they said that he pulled up and pulled into the flower shop the same way every single time. So they just sat there and finally they were like, today's the day. Bang, bang. Bang, bang. Into the room. Yeah. All of this culminated in one of the most memorable acts of mob violence. When on February 14th, 1929... A group of seven Northside gang members showed up at a warehouse on North Clark Street where the gang held their bootlegging vehicles. Uh, it is believed to receive a shipment of whiskey that they had been told would be coming in that had been stolen off the river. Some like cheap uh, bootlegged whiskey. They were then stopped by two police officers and thinking that they were getting raided. They complied when the officers told the seven men to stand up against the wall so that they could look at what was in their vehicles. But it was at this moment that the men dressed as police officers signaled in two more men, both of those in suits and all of them wielding Tommy guns and opened fire, killing all seven men in front in front of the warehouse wall, which they pres- they preserved the wall. The wall stood for a while um, and they have it somewhere. It's got all the bullet holes in it. And for you, Nina, and for anyone else that's familiar with Chicago, it's right by Lincoln Park. I was just going to say, that's not far away. Yeah, right by, right by Lincoln Clark Park. Clark Street is it's, very close. It's like 2122 North Clark Street, something like Damn. that. Um, so at the time, also, no one called the cops because they thought the cops were already there. They were dressed as police officers, and they had a, they had a cop car somehow. They got a cop car. Damn. That's how'd, the, they, how'd you all get a cop car? Well, that's the thing. It's like looking back on this, they really planned it out. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't just they thought of it that day. And they were doing it. They had planned this for a long time and made yeah. a bunch of preparations in order to be able to, to to kill these people. The St. Valentine's Day Massacre, as it would become known later, uh, was aimed at killing Bugs Moran, the new leader. Like, they just, oh, like, we killed one leader, all right, we'll kill the next leader, mm. we'll kill the next leader. But it turns out Bugs had uh, awoken late that morning and arrived just in time to see the police cruiser pull up to the warehouse and dipped away because he thought they were getting raided. But turns out he just avoided getting shot to death that day. Damn. Um, 
And the media released pictures of this killing afterwards, like really brutal pictures into the public media. And I guess seven people is where the public drew the line is that's kind of when public opinion, uh, of Capone started turning, like the tide started turning against him. Well, and I, if I remember correctly, they shot 42 bullets or 48 bullets into seven people. So it was like, not that they're submachine guns. So yeah, yeah. So they like obliterated these men. I remember seeing the pictures in school. Like Mm -hmm. they really did fuck them up. Yeah. The pictures are rough. And, and so they had, they had always been like this little, like, like tit for tat, mm-hmm. like killing up until this point. Right. So I think, you know, you kill seven people and now people are like, well, and, and I don't think the media could keep it quiet anymore because he was paying no. off the media. But once those start leaking out, no, you know. people are going to find out. And like seven people at once, that's a lot of people to die. Yeah. And he did try to rehab his image after this, because um, this is right at the start of the great depression late 20s, 29. Um, So he started donating money heavily. He actually even started a soup kitchen here in Chicago, right in in South Loop. And he started referring to himself as a a modern-day Robin Hood, basically. He's like, I'm a guys. I sell, I do illegal stuff, but at least I give it all back to the poor. Which, by the way, right after he went on trial, soup kitchen closed. Makes sense. He didn't keep it open for very long. It was basically just a... It was a front. It was a publicity thing before the trial to... To make him look better. But after the massacre, he gained a new nickname. This time, much better than Snorky. And that's when people started calling him public enemy number one. And in 1930, calls were sent to Washington for President Herbert Hoover to do something about Capone. And a secret meeting between the president, a newspaper publisher, and members of the Chicago Crime Commission uh, occurred. Where they asked for his help in ending Capone's reign of terror. Out of that meeting came a multiple agency attack on Capone with the Treasury and Justice Departments looking into tax prosecutions against gang members, and they formed a Prohibition Bureau agent special squad headed up by Elliot Ness. And Elliot Ness and his members were so opposed to taking bribes offered by the Capone gang that they were dubbed the Untouchables because they could not be bought. And the untouchables really cracked down on bootlegging, running even more raids and padlocking speakeasies all over the city to deprive Capone of much income, as much income as possible. Over the next couple of years, law enforcement brought him in whenever they could. He was arrested in Philadelphia in 1929 for having a concealed firearm and served one year. He was picked up on vagrancy charges in Miami Beach, where Capone said that he was refused food and water and that the officers threatened his family. Vagrancy charges? Yeah. I I didn't look it up. I don't know. I just, you know, vagrancy. Um, Because that vagrancy is like when you are living somewhere you're not supposed to be living. That's probably what it was. Like, maybe they... He had a home there, but it wasn't registered to him. So they're like, you're a big Well, it's more like, it's almost like homelessness. Interesting. I don't know. Like I said. Ha. Huh. So he said that the officers refused him food and water and threatened his family. And they charged him with perjury for those statements because uh, he made them publicly. He was found not guilty for perjury, though, uh, in only a three-day trial. He even got slapped with six months for contempt of court during that trial. Don't know what he did. Didn't find that, but he had the contempt of court charge. Um, the tax evasion conviction started rolling in too. A tactic proved sound when the Supreme Court ruled in 1927 
that income from illegal enterprises was also subject to tax. So if you're making all this money, you had to report it as tax taxable income or else you've committed tax fraud, tax evasion. And Ralph Capone, another Capone brother, also known as Bottles. I forgot there was eight kids. I'm like, how many fucking brothers does he have? There's multiple. This There's is, oh, lot. that's another, that's one of the special stories. So we have another oh. one after that. But um, Capone, also known, like I said, as Bottles, he ran a legal bottling business, but also bottled Al's illegal hooch on the side. Uh, he was convicted in 1930 and spent 18 months in prison. And Al, seeing this, was like, I don't want to go to prison for tax evasion. So he hired a lawyer to file documents to normalize his tax position. Like, basically, he's like, figure it out. Work it out. Um, well, that lawyer, he he must have hired a not very good lawyer because he made a big old goof him up. Well, I would have to think that if Al Capone is coming to you to do his taxes... That you've got to be a little shady. Well, supposedly he hired a lawyer that was a very good lawyer, but had dealt more with like criminal proceedings with mm. thugs, like someone that he thought he could trust, but was not an expert in tax law. Got it. So didn't really know what he was doing in this area. And he, he ended up messing up and he admitted in the documents to large incomes uh, for years that Capone didn't pay taxes on. Shit. So... He literally handed over official documents that proved Capone evaded taxes. Idiot. So that wasn't very good. And on June 5th, 1931, Al Capone was indicted on 22 counts of income tax evasion spanning four years and was also indicted on 5,000 counts of violations of the Volstead Act, which were the laws governing prohibition. 5,000 counts. 5,000 counts. And Capone originally tried to plead guilty because they had offered him a plea deal of two and a half years. But when they came into court with the plea deal, the judge refused to honor it. The judge shot it down. So Al rescinded the guilty plea, which is never a good look. I'm pretty sure they wanted to make him look bad. I think that's yeah, partially the reason yeah. why they did it. Um, but the defense only had a few days to slap together a defense strategy because they were like relying on that plea, yeah. deal, go plea deal going through. And... The best thing they could come up with was arguing that the documents submitted by his lawyer couldn't count as a confession because they didn't come from Capone himself. They were like, a lawyer can't commit to crimes for their, for their, uh, whoever they represent. Mm. Yeah, the, the judge wouldn't hear it. That yeah. didn't go over very well. And Capone was tried, although only on the 22 tax evasion counts. They the judge actually decided to throw out the five thousand Volstead Act counts. Probably because the judge had drank at one of his speakeasies. Well, it's it's because he said that he thought those were more like, um, sound. Mm. Like they like they he didn't know if he, they could prove the Volstead Act violation. Okay. So putting them on the same the same trial could hurt them. Got it. Um, the government determined that Al Capone had evaded two hundred and fifteen thousand dollars in taxes over the four years in question, and that he had a total income over this time of just over $1 million in like personal income to himself. I feel like it'd be more. Why? Maybe because because of the $1 billion that they were bringing in. That was $1 billion in today's money. Yeah, but it was $77 million. It was $70 million. That's how much they, like, they got from the money that they spent, but you have to pay every single person yeah, who works. Yeah, right, that makes sense. You have to all buy right, the places. Right. That's after overhead. A million dollars is pretty good. Yeah. Just for him. Uh, 
And they proved this convincingly as Capone was found guilty on October 17th, 1931 on five counts of tax evasion and sentenced to 11 years in prison and a fine of $50,000 in addition to him having to pay back all of the back taxes and restitution, the entire $215,000 on top of the $50,000 fine Damn. on top of the 11 years in prison, which by the way, served consecutively with the one year that he had to do for uh, contempt. So after he finished his like time here, he had to go back and do an extra like year. Damn. At the other place. Very fun. Um, so Capone was originally sent to a state penitentiary in Alabama. And it was here that he got his formal diagnosis of syphilis. At least we know of. And they also told him he also had gonorrhea. So he had syphilis. Oh, you can have both at the same time? And gonorrhea. This man must have never wanted to have to pee. It must have just been like a fire hose, but like a real fire hose, like a hose that shoots fire. I don't have a penis and it hurts me. Yeah, well, I mean. Oh, they also noted he had a perforated septum from heavy cocaine use, which he was thoroughly addicted to. Which, by the way, found this the other day. There's something called coke nose. Yes. Which is where the the, the septum in the middle of your nose just dissolves mm-hmm. and you just don't have one anymore. And that's terrifying. Yep. Don't do cocaine, kids. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know it can happen. After only a year, though, in Alabama. I wonder what happens to the bottom part of your nose when that happens. What do you mean? Because like, This part? Yeah. It's gone. They have one big nostril. Ah! Yeah, it's scary. Don't look up pictures like I did. It's very I'm scary. I'm going to look it up. Um, so Al Capone only spent a year in Alabama, and after that, he was shipped to the newly built prison Alcatraz, just off the coast in San Francisco. Oh, he had to check out the shiny new prison. Yep, on a rock in the ocean and would spend the rest of his time imprisoned on the rock, now known as prisoner number 85. That being said, he was said to be well-behaved in prison, most likely due to his quickly degrading mental capacities as tertiary syphilis worked away at his brain. He spent most of the time confused and alone. His wife, May, though, still stood by him the whole time, writing him letters that were sweet and cloying. Uh, She also appealed to have him released early because of his mental degradation. He also, he played banjo in the (laughs) the prison band. (laughs) So just imagine like a guy fucking like confused out of his mind on brain syphilis, just like... (laughs) And in 1939, May got her wish as Al was paroled after serving just eight years of his 11-year sentence. Um, He immediately went to a hospital because he had really bad syphilis. And in 1942, was one of the first patients to be treated with the new drug penicillin. I'm allergic to that. Well, don't get syphilis. I guess not. Uh, And although the antibiotic could not undo the damage done to his brain already... It did slow the progression of the disease, so it stopped the disease from progressing any further. And uh, four years later, though, in reports from his physician, showed that Capone had the mental capacities of a 12-year-old child. Wow. Just a big old dumb 12-year-old child. Yeah, big old dumb kid who could still play the banjo. And, (laughs) And one year later, he would suffer a stroke. And eventually, public enemy number one, Scarface, dare I say it, Snorky, finally succumbed to a heart attack on January 25th, 1947, only a little bit after his birthday. What is insane is that this man did so much stuff, like 
so much illegal stuff, so much dangerous stuff, shooting people, killing people. I'm sure he was shot at multiple times. Absolutely. People always out to get him, always trying to kill him, and he dies from syphilis. Dies from syphilis at, at a time when so he could have main, gotten it treated. The main lesson of this, kids, wrap it before you tap it. Yeah, and don't do cocaine. Don your raincoat before going out in the storm. So the Chicago outfit without Capone did survive for many years, like I said. Uh, and some say that they still hold moderate sway over the politicians of Chicago and New York to this day. Gangs I mean, are how could they not? That wasn't that long ago. The gangs and mafia are still a thing. They still run illegal rackets. Maybe not brothels as they used to be known maybe not bootlegging but you know that they're in drugs and you know that they're in prostitutes in other ways like like they're someone runs the crime business and it's Absolutely. and the mafia is still around here in chicago and still in new york although they're not like they were in the heyday no. which is when this was no. um johnny torrio the once leader of the outfit died in 1957 of a heart attack while getting, they're all getting heart attacks while getting a haircut number one killer in america heart disease uh bugs moran the leader of the north side gang after the assassination of the first few he died in prison after being convicted of robbing a bank Damn. which was his second robbery he actually was like super penniless like i guess he had like a lot of money at one point and then lost all of it and this was at the time a lot of these gangs declined after the end of prohibition because literally prohibition like started this whole business yeah, that they could make that makes sense. so much money in. So when they finally just ended prohibition, like all the gangs shrunk and it wasn't as big of a deal. When did prohibition end again? Like close, I think it was only around for like 10 years. Okay. So like close to the end of the great depression, like 1939, something like that. They're like, we're or, sad. We got to drink. Or like the early 1930s, I guess. Cause it started in the early twenties. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Don't know off the top of my head. Someone out there knows. Message us. You know. Yes. So there goes the tale of Alphonse Capone, dead at the age of 48 from syphilis of the brain. A man who lived as large as he was. And the old adage holds, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Capone's grip on Chicago and its surrounding area was strong. So strong that spirits of Capone's influence are still being felt throughout the city and its surrounding areas to this day. And the... Prohibition era left its mark upon Chicago as well. A liquor is still one of the things that sets Chicago apart from the rest of the nation, where everywhere else, bars close at a respectable time, like 2 a.m., not 4 a.m., like here. And everything here from game stores to nail salons are all BYOB. They are. That is not a thing other places. No. When I first moved here and the restaurants were BYOB, I was so confused. I was like, so I bring my own bottle of wine? I had seen a couple of those, but the fact that they advertise BYOB on like literally everything. Oh yeah, my nail salon's BYOB. The nail place I go get my toes done? Yeah. We Chicago is a weird relationship with alcohol, and I'm almost positive it's from this prohibition era. Like we, I'm we, sure we were the bootlegging center of America. Yeah, right here. Yeah, you can drink in very odd places here. Everywhere. Just I'm surprised they don't allow it on the street. That like the one grocery store here, you can go to the bar and get a glass of wine and drink while you shop. It's pretty nice. Though. It's I'm awesome. Not, I'm not gonna lie. It's so, pretty cool. Ugh. Um. But along with booze 
comes a century-old history of corruption from our politicians. We're also known for that, uh, which leads us all the way back in a full circle, back to our first episode ever, one of the many, many Illinois governors to end up in prison, Rod Blagojevic. So, Al Capone, Rod Blagojevic, we're back. Big circle. We can end. Mic drop. Oh, wait. We have a finale next week. Ah. Finale, and then we're Thelma and Louising it. We're taking, we're getting into a car. You, me. We're driving off a cliff. I'm not driving off a cliff. Come on. A little one? A little cliff? A little cliff? You, me? You, me, a car? Date with a cliff. Let's go. We're going to get like. Ten ten seasons. We're good. We peace out after that. We can just not do the podcast anymore. We don't have to die. Oh, it's no fun without a suicide pact. I'll let you die. That's uncool. This, we're it's supposed like, to go oh, together. I'll drink the Kool-Aid too, and then I don't. Oh, you're a fake friend. No, I get it. I am. No, I get it. That's I am. fine. I'm a fake friend. That's fine. Uh, so that's the end. You want to peace out here? That's fine. But I have some informal extra stories. Let's hear them. To talk about. Um, and the first one is, is about something called the Pineapple Primary. So you remember William Hale Thompson? Do you, Nina? No. Exactly. Well, William Hale Thompson. Oh, he was the mayor. He was the mayor who was sympathetic in Chicago to the Chicago outfit. And he was known for being extremely corrupt. Well, after they did all of that influencing uh, in the 1924 Cicero election, William Hale decided to run again in 1928 for the mayoral position. And this time, they did a lot of the same tactics right here in Chicago. There was a bunch of violence and bombings in the weeks leading up to the 1928 primary that were against his rivals. And he was said to have gotten a $250,000 donation from Al Capone himself. Damn. So, and by the way, you might be thinking, why is it called the Pineapple Primary, Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Well, Are they swingers? Yes. Yeah, they all brought their wives and they all swapped. Hot. It was very fun until the bombing started. Then yeah. it was less cool. No, the pineapple primary. Pineapple comes from slang for grenade because they look oh. kind of like a pineapple. Well, bumps on him. William Hale won that election, by the way. <laughs> Obviously, yeah, yeah, he won. yeah, yeah. So he served like like nine years and then like a break and then like four more years. So, and he is known as one of the most corrupt Chicago mayors of all time, which is. An impressive list to be that, at the top of. I was going to say, that's, that's pretty impressive, actually. Yeah. Uh, another one that I didn't get to was there was actually an assassination attempt on Al Capone in prison. That does not surprise that, me. That's part of the reason he left and went to Alcatraz. I didn't mention it, but uh, he got stabbed in the back with some scissors by a lifer. Scissors. Scissors. Uh, but I guess he like only had a very small like flesh wound, but they realized they're like, yeah, people want to kill this guy. We're going to move him to Alcatraz where he's far away. Also, the only person I think to ever be sent to Alcatraz for tax-related crimes. Yeah, I kind of, well... I, he, mean, I know he was the first. Yeah. I know that, I, but I feel like he might have been the only one to ever get sent Well, somewhere. I was going to be like, I thought Alcatraz was if you killed people, but he did kill people. He yeah. just didn't get convicted for killing people. I'm going to say, it's for violent crimes. But yeah, I he think did he, plenty he, of violent crimes. He is the only person, I'm pretty sure, convicted on tax crimes to be sent to Alcatraz. Yeah. So that's fun. Um, and then another one, I forgot to put it even on here. I remembered it while we were recording that I want to do this was his, was one of his other brothers. Uh, so we know bottles, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and Frank. And we know Frank who got shot. Um, but a, one of his other brothers actually didn't have anything to do with him and actually did the exact opposite. Vincenzo Capone left 
when he was maybe like in his early 20s. I think he was the oldest one. I'm not sure. Moved to Nebraska, changed his name to the name of a movie star, and became, and I shit you not, a prohibition agent. So he worked for the Prohibition Bureau. Didn't talk to his family. They didn't know where he went. Oh, my gosh. And one of his, in the documentary, his son was there. And he's like, yeah, we didn't know. He didn't tell us. Even after, so after Capone had gotten out of prison, he went back to the family. He rejoined, like, the crime in the family. Oh, But yeah. he never told his family in Nebraska that he had anything to do with the Capones. He kept his, he kept his fake name. Wait, I'm sorry. Vincenzo Capone with the fake name. He came back to the family after Capone got out of prison. Oh, he in made, in the sense oh, that he oh. like came back to the family, like he came back into the crime. Oh, I see what you mean now. Yeah. Okay. Because after the after prohibition was ended, he lost his job because they don't need prohibition agents <laughs> if prohibition's not a thing anymore. Yeah. So. Ugh. So then he just started doing crime. You know, That's just funny. just a little crime. That's funny. Just yeah. a little bit. Yeah, just because he also said, uh, Vincenzo's son said that he had went to a bar in Chicago with his, with Bottles, Ralph, and then, who still worked in the bottling industry. And I guess they had sat down at a bar and he looked behind the bar and he was like, where do you buy that beer from? And the guy was like, oh, we get it from so-and-so. And he's like, you don't buy from them anymore. And the guy was like, okay, Frank. So like they still hold sway. Like, over people, and this was in the 1970s. Oh, wow. So, Capone, still around, still doing stuff. Wow. At least, at least then. That's crazy. Who knows about now? That, that was, you know, like, 20-something years after Al Capone died. And he could still walk in and just tell a, a, a bartender, like a bar owner, you don't buy from that person anymore. You buy from Frank Capone. Like, Ralph oh. Capone. You get it mixed up. There's too many of them. Frank's yeah, dead. Yeah, too many. Frank's dead. Uh, so, yeah, that's it. That is the actual final just a couple extra little sprinkle of stories on there That's for you. That's crazy. Um, so thanks for listening today. I, I hope you guys liked uh, learning about the story of Al Capone. If you hadn't heard it, I mean, it's been it's a tale that's been told by many, many people, although not a lot of big uh, crime podcasts have covered it, actually, because I tried I some, I tried to listen to other podcasts on subjects that we cover. If they exist, they don't always. Um, but I figured that Capone was going to have one. There are, but like no, no one from podcasts that I knew. Well, and then I also think that his tax evasion isn't usually what is covered. Yeah. It's usually his violent crimes that are covered. Yeah, which we talked about, but it was to get to the, the story of he went to jail for tax evasion. The bloodiest the bloodiest tax uh, tax crime we'll talk about on here for, yeah. for sure, hopefully. I hope we don't beat it. Um, but if you did enjoy what you listen and you want to support us, you can do that for free by uh, writing us a review or leaving us a rating. You can write the review on Apple Podcasts. Most of you who are listening there are uh, our records show. Uh, but you can leave us a, re- a rating on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. So if you're listening there, Spotify is also the place to see our video podcast. So if you want to see our beautiful faces while we're doing this, yeah, exactly like that. See, you know, you know what that was if you were watching the video. Um, then you can watch there, and then that also helps support us. Um, if you also want to support us in a free way, tell a friend, mm-hmm. tell someone about the podcast, tell them that you just learned a bunch of interesting stuff about uh, Al Capone and the, the the pineapple primaries and the uh, 
and his uh, tax evasion, and you can send him here, and we'll we'll teach them as well. And if you hated us, you can send your worst enemies, and we'll we'll, yes. we'll talk to them for, for yes. an hour instead. Uh, if you want to support us not for free, though, that's also cool. We love money. You can go to tpublic.com. Uh, the link is in the show description. Or you can go to our website, whitecollarsredhands.com, and click the Check Out Our Merch page. It links directly there. And uh, you can buy something. You get something in return. So it's not just giving us free money. But it's kind of like that. I mean, you get a sweatshirt. You get a shirt. You get a mug. You get and they're, a, and they're a comfy. sticker. They're nice. It's good. Mm-hmm. It's quality stuff. You mm-hmm. know, uh, do it. Um you can also support us for free just by interacting with us, following us, uh, facebook.com slash white collars, red hands, Twitter at white collars pod, Instagram at white collars underscore red hands, TikTok or on there, white collars, red hands. Uh, you can DM us through any of those, or you can send us an email to white collars, red hands at gmail.com. Uh, interact with us in any way you want. Ask us questions about something or just generally reach out. We, we love that. We also do a fan submitted episode every uh, yeah. every season and we're going to be picking coming up the season finales next week. Season 10 finale. Ah! Yeah, so, so we got one more of those. Uh, that one's a murder. Yes. They always are. They always so are. We got something interesting planned next week for you there. Um, and then we're on our, we're on our two week break. So you can, mm-hmm. you can, you know, we know if you're tired of us, you know, we're leaving for two weeks. No, I'm joking. We know we're just going to leave you wanting more. Just wanting more. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Yes. Um, so I think that's it. Yeah. And thank you guys so much for listening. And we'll see you next week on another episode of White Collars, Red, Red Hands. Hands.